0: Good morning. Happy Monday. I have NeuroCoffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Time is short. We're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Tovar. Tovar is new to the uh, Coffee and Coaches Conference call, um, but asked a couple of great questions. And so we were talking about capturing early representations of propulsion and hook-lying activities and such. And then this led to, oh, I've got this question about uh, my feet and some shoes. And we started talking a little bit about an early shoe representation, which is usually uh, a good recommendation in many circumstances <clears throat> for people that appear to have low a low arch and are trying to capture an early representation. And so I wanted to throw up a, <clears throat> an early shoe that we were talking about. And one of the things that we want to look at is this rear foot position, so so when we look at the, the sole, it's squared to the back, and so that would be an earlier representation of, of a shoe. As they land, this cushion has to compress, and then that slows down the foot as it's moving from its initial ground contact to the early representation uh, of that of that foot position this shoe has a little bit of, a, of an arch in it because we've got an er representation of the foot and it's got a very rigid heel counter which is what we're looking for what we don't want in a shoe under those circumstances where we're trying to capture early is is what's called a, an increased rocker on the back and this is a little bit of one i i had to i had to rob the uh, gorgeous ones Um, shoes from the closet here, it's got a little bit of of a cutoff here. You can kind of see that the rocker is increased here. What that actually does is it accelerates the foot forward and gets the tibia moving very, very quickly. Um, there's, and this would be more of a, a later representation of a shoe under those circumstances, which would push somebody forward, which is what we don't want under those circumstances when we're trying to slow the tibia down. So just to give you a little bit of a representation as to, as to, to shoe types, but when we go through this discussion as to what type of a shoe that we would be looking at, that gives you a couple of ideas. Um, if you have any questions about that, I'm sure you'll, you'll post those up. Everybody have an outstanding Monday and we'll see you tomorrow. Um, I have. Or I um, my shoes are barefoot
1: or, or always have flat feet. Uh-huh. So, uh, would you recommend that I have uh heels elevated shoes and also like um, this thing? An and, arch in your yeah. in your shoe? Yes.
0: Um it, it may behoove you to do so. Um and again, it's like like shoe, a shoe representation for you. Um if, if you're pushing into the ground, so, so that's what that low arch means is that you're pushing into the ground. So it, it just depends on, on whether you've got an ER foot that's pushing into the ground or if it's an exaggeration of, of what would be represented in middle. And so there are certain adaptations that can take place here um, within the foot that you might need to accommodate. Generally speaking, generally speaking, the safest way to do this is to get a shoe that has a little bit of structure to it so you can feel where your heel is in space and a little bit of an arch because what the arch does is it slows you down from going forward too fast and so if you're pushing into the ground then you're trying to get yourself forward faster the arch slows your foot down and so it may allow you to actually um, reduce some of the muscle activity that we we were discussing before allow you to capture some of the internal rotation which would be an early representation so so again early um, propulsion is an externally rotated foot that has an arch okay but the tibia is behind the foot and moving forward more slowly okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: so flat shoes you know like sandals and barefoot walking is not necessarily your solution okay does that make yeah. sense Yes.
2: Thank you, Bill.
0: You're very welcome, sir.
2: Bill, can I have a follow-up to that? Of course. It is uh, for someone who has very ER feet with with high arches, could could you use? I just want to hear your thoughts on how important it is to to have an arch to feel the where the arch is. Um, Compared to just wearing a barefoot shoe for someone who's really high arched, so just having some something there that lets you lower the
0: arch into. So what's the problem versus, here, though? Hang on, hang on. What's the problem? It's
2: the. What it's kind the of a foot? What kind of a foot are
0: you? What kind of a foot are you actually looking at? ER, uh, late, late okay so so what's so what's the solution is the solution is the problem the arch then
2: no it's slowing the tibia down
0: okay all right so so what so so then what do i need to bring the the tibia back so it can turn inward
2: yeah i can i have to get a weight back and yeah i i still need an arch because i have to come too early probably to earlier so, right so
0: so it's yeah. it's not it's not the it's not the arch that's the problem it's the it's the rate at which the the center of gravity is moving forward right yeah
2: right yeah. so yeah.
0: so I still want an yeah. yard I still want the yard foot okay okay and that would yeah. be an arch in a shoe but it's like but it's like let, let's think about the the, yeah. Yeah. the goal here the goal is just to slow them down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But so you want do that? Yeah. Want a shoe that's going to emphasize an early representation.
2: All right. All right. So okay. it would be the 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 width that we were looking at and the curvature. It would be like more. Yeah. So like. Okay. So shoe.
0: when you look at the when you look at the back of the shoe, right? If you're looking at the shoe, oh, no, oh, here we go.
2: I want if it I'm to. If looking at the side,
0: I want to see. I want to see this being vertical, right? right? Like the shoes that, like a running shoe that has like the big curve on the back.
2: All right. right.
0: You know what I'm talking about? It looks like it's chopped off at an angle on the back. Those are the shoes they, they hit on the ground and it throws them forward very quickly. That's a late, that's a late propulsive shoe. Very useful under certain right. circumstances, right? But if I want to slow them down, I want to heel that, I want to heel that's kind of squared off to the back because they land on that and now this has to compress that slows it down that creates a yield right in the connector tissues which is why what i wanted in the first place then i can worry about having an arch it's not about it's not about feeling the arch they already have one yeah,
2: right? yeah. i want the right.
0: behavior i want the behavior to be represented
2: all right all, all right. right so it, yeah with with running shoe you're basically falling through the the early too quick and just, uh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're if, translating. If, if you're forward. expressing
0: it at all, right?
2: Got, it. Like, got, like it, got chances it. are
0: they're getting pushed way forward, way fast.
2: All right. Does that make all sense? Right. Thank you. Yes, sir.
0: Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand and it is perfect. All right. Another busy Tuesday coming up. We're gonna dig straight into today's Q&A. This is a two for Tuesday um, from Taya. Taya had two questions. First one was pretty straightforward. We're talking about some anti orientation issues and, and how some of the hip measures might appear to be magnified. And this is, of course, the uh, spinal orientation that is, that is becoming the influence here. So this is spinal turning that is substituting for hip rotation. So we get magnification, so for instance, See so you had a narrow ISA individual that came in, and they've got 50-plus uh, degrees of hip internal rotation that is typically going to be spinal orientation and rotation that is producing that, that is not a hip um, influence. And so, again, great question to start with, Taya, and then we go into... Uh, ways to modify an oblique sit to get our desired outcome so in many cases we're trying to restore an internally rotated representation so um, low oblique sit we're trying to get some early internal rotation and so we have to apply pressure to the to the bony contacts with the ground um, as appropriate to produce this internal rotation so let's use a, a foot representation then we'll move to a pelvis so If I was looking at a rear foot that would be everted, I need to put pressure on the the lateral aspect of the calcaneus to square the calcaneus to the ground. If we're looking at a pelvis orientation and we had a similar representation in regards to the position of the the ischial tuberosity, I need to be able to apply a lateral pressure through that ischial tuberosity to get the appropriate influence um, into the pelvis to promote the shape change to produce the internal rotation. So we break down those positions and influences, as well as an accommodation on, on how we're going to accommodate those people that are having trouble capturing hip and knee contact on the ground. Um, a nice, simple, and easy modification that is discussed in this video. So thank you, Taya. Everybody have an outstanding Tuesday, and I'll see you tomorrow.
3: Hi, sir. How are you? Uh, very well, thank you. Um, first I have a quick follow-up when, I don't know who was, t- uh, we were talking with, but it was regarding the restricted range of motion. So when you're getting more and more compressed, you get less and less motion. Uh-huh. So I just wanted to check when you have someone that has too much motion. So let's say over 40 IR uh-huh. and they have some ER, Yep. That means that their spine is still moving, so they produce the ER. But yeah. if they would get more and more compressed, they would start to lose both ER and IR.
0: Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you think about, let, let, let's talk about this briefly because I think it'll be helpful for you. When you think about the anterior orientation, mm-hmm. okay? So let's just look at the pelvis for a sec. <clears throat> You've got five segments in the lumbar spine. Fair? Okay. It doesn't all orient to the same degree at the same time. It's sequential, right? So if we're a wide ISA with anti-orientation, it goes pelvis, L5, L4, L3, L2, L1 in that sequence, okay? The greater the degree of compression, the greater the degree of anti-orientation the sequential loss of spine motion will occur as well. So when you have somebody that has like the, one of those magnified measures, it's like 45 degrees of hip IR. Okay, mm-hmm. that's a lot, right? Um, that's somebody that still has a spine that, that can move in, in you know, some of those segments. When you have the reduction of both ER and IR, which is a lot of anterior posterior compression, a lot of anti orientation, all of that spine motion starts to disappear. This is where you get the people that come in and you measure them and they're like 20, 10, like 20 mm-hmm. ER, 10 IR mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Do you understand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, so whenever you get one of those magnified measures, they still have segmental motion in the spine that is substituting for the hip range. Okay. Okay. But when the spine becomes, the spine becomes one piece, just like the pelvis does. So, so when the pelvis is locked in, we start to lose a lot of motion, but when the spine and the pelvis are locked in, then you don't have much of anything.
3: Okay, thank you. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I just uh, also, I wanted to quickly ask when we were talking about the oblique seat and putting like the towel, so that uh-huh. you uh, you put them in that, you give them that a little bit of ER space. Yep. Um, I was just wondering where to put the tile uh, towel so if you wanna put him, so he sits between the ischium and the femur, where do you wanna put the towel?
0: Um, okay, so we're we're in. Are we in like a low oblique set? Yeah. Okay, and you wanna do what? Do you wanna hang on? Do you wanna move him into a bigger er representation to superimpose the ir? Is that what you mean? You want to you want to create more move him into a, a wider space away from midline.
3: I I understood that if we want to use, the, we want to use the towel when someone, when you put them in an oblique sit, they cannot relax the, the lower leg to the ground. So you put the towel uh, below. So you give them a little bit of that space. Yeah,
0: you just lift them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like doing a heels elevated activity on your feet. Yeah. Okay. So what's the question then?
3: Just sounds like you where, already know what you're doing uh where to put the towel under the ilium or ischium or where do you want to target okay the towel?
0: okay now i understand um what ground contact are you trying to use to create the change
3: well if we're talking about the foot it's medial heel but i don't know what would be that it would it be the ischium
0: okay no. so if the ischium if the ischium is is if you let me back up if somebody's standing up and, and you see their rear foot and it looks like the rear foot is everted
3: mm-hmm.
0: okay you might need to put it under the ischium to put pressure on the lateral aspect of the ischium to move them towards the IR representation okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: if you're trying to drive an early IR representation from the femur to the pelvis, then it needs to be under the trochanter. Do you see the difference? Uh,
3: well, I, I, I understand a, a latter one because we want to put it into the femur so you can orient it easily into IR.
0: Correct, correct, mm-hmm. okay.
3: Okay. But so when you would put under the issue more for a wide than an arrow. No. Okay.
0: Not necessarily okay. What, what you're going to look at. So, so if you look at, if you look at a rear foot and that rear foot is, is kind of bent inward. Um, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, go, go to the uh, mirror and look at your feet on the ground.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. I've seen your feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So look at your feet on the ground. So you've got a, a lot of that, that bony bend towards the ground. Right. Okay. So if we were going to do an oblique sit, we would want to put pressure on your ischium to bend it back underneath you. Cause it's bent out.
3: Oh, okay. I get it. yeah, you yeah, okay. You see it? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So again, you just think about like, how would I want to so if I wanted to, to, to bring a foot back to where it was actually squared calcaneous to the ground, I have to push from the outside edge of that, of that heel towards the medial aspect to square it up. Same thing with the, with the, the ischium under that circumstances. I got to put pressure on the lateral aspect of the ischium to push it towards a normal a normal uh, representation of that, that ischium. Okay. Because the ischium okay. is bent. The ischium is bent just like the heel is. Mm-hmm. now do you understand the placement yeah yeah okay
3: um and'd be the same reason, Sorry,
0: one second same reason why you would want since we talked about shoes earlier the same reason that you want a structure on the back of the shoe you need a stiffer uh, heel counter the thing that holds onto the heel in, in a shoe that the stiffness of that helps feel where the calcaneus is and allows you to, to learn how to keep it squared. Mm-hmm to the front.
3: Yeah, without having the uh, last part of the heel lift up and chop. There you go. Absolutely. You got it. Okay.
0: Good morning. Happy Wednesday. I have Neuro Coffee in hand, and it is perfect. All right. Today is Wednesday. That means tomorrow is Thursday. That means tomorrow, 6 a.m., Coffee and coaches conference call. As usual, please make yourself a cup of coffee and join us for some Q&A. Um, this is worldwide. We have a very international uh, group of folks that tends to show up on these calls. Uh, the group is getting bigger every week, which is exciting. People from all over the place. Um, so again, please join us. Um, always a great time. Digging into today's q and uh, I think this is led off with, with a question from Manuel. And this is actually the back end of a discussion. On, on hook lying and and how we need to set up this this position to be effective um, in in our our uh, interventions and there's a lot of common errors that are associated with with this this position um, people not capturing the appropriate foot cues so there's there's over exaggerations of foot cues or the inability to capture internal rotation under these circumstances. Uh, the proximal orientation is, is a big deal. So we'll see a lot of people that are posteriorly orienting pelvises, which is the exact wrong thing to do under almost every circumstance. This is why you end up with uh, um, the outcome might show a lot of external rotation um, and no internal rotation. That's an overshoot of the, of the pelvic position. What we're looking for is an ER representation that we can superimpose internal rotation on on and again a lot of people are making some errors so we talked through some some really key elements of of this setup and uh, some of the common errors there so i think this is going to be a useful question for a lot of people Um, everybody have an outstanding wednesday i will see you tomorrow morning 6 a.m on the coffee and coaches conference call
2: Hey, Bill. Uh, I want to follow up real quick. On Tovar's question: You said uh-huh. that if you're, if you're anterior, if you're, if you're, e, if you're in that ER orientation, you try to squeeze
0: that you're yes. getting,
2: you're not getting IR. You're...
0: It's not guaranteed. In fact, most people fail miserably.
2: Is that just because you're in that hook line position, or, or?
0: Okay, so. <clears throat> consider consider the the proximal representation first so i've got posterior lower concentric muscle activity right okay that means i've got a lot of proximal er going on
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay if i squeeze if so if i posteriorly orient the pelvis okay and i squeeze my knees together at the same time that is a butt squeeze Right. That's that's somebody closing that space even more. They're actually increasing the concentric orientation that you're trying to alleviate. Mm-hmm. That's where again, that's why a lot of people fail. They, they, they go, wow, look at all this ER that we got back. And they go, well, where's the IR? It's like, oh, we didn't get that yet. We got to do something else for the IR. OK, so, so I, I thought
2: he was talking about adducting. So basically bringing the legs. That's, that.
0: that's what I'm talking about. hmm. Just because you're squeezing your knees together doesn't mean that you're internally rotating proximally. This is part of the problem. You have to be able to recognize when that's happening. And it's actually, you can actually visualize this. You can, trying actually, to. It. You can actually see it on people when they're doing it. Like the minute you start to see, like you put something between the knees and you say, squeeze this, they, they will show you what their strategy is, whether it be proximal internal rotation or external rotation. Okay, Mm. the problem is gonna be the pelvic orientation. Number one, to reduce the concentric orientation, you don't have to squeeze. You need to hold a position while you capture the early representation from the foot to the pelvis. That is the ultimate solution. What, What happens is people try to use too much muscle activity, They have too much proximal ER um, representation and they magnify the ER representation. And this just comes from understanding your, your cues on how you set up the activity. Again, most people fail because they teach people to posteriorly orient the pelvis, meaning the pelvis is rocking back as a single unit, not with relative motions.
2: Okay rocking back. So it's posteriorly orienting.
0: Have you ever it's, done? I, I, okay. Um, have you ever coached a hook lying activity?
2: I mean, I play with them myself. I, I use them a little bit, but okay.
0: A- anybody in the call ever, t- ever coached a hook lying activity? Okay. You ever put a ball between somebody's knees and then you set it up and they drop the ball? Have you ever, seriously, like, like you put it between their knees and say, hey, hold on to this, and you set up the rest of the exercise, and they immediately drop the ball. Like they drop it, like it falls out from between their knees. Yep. Well, you just told them to hold on to the ball. But what happened was, is as they're posteriorly orienting, they're actually increasing the amount of proximal ER, the ball drops. Because they're actually separating their knees instead of holding it together. Now, if you held on, if you held on to the ball and you continued to posteriorly orient, you're increasing the proximal ER. And it's and again, the, the you're, they're trying to squeeze the ball, but they're squeezing it from proximal to distal with ER. They're not creating the IR representation from the ball towards the pelvis. Do you understand? So they're, they're,
2: yeah, so they're twisting the femur. Instead of or um getting the pelvic shape change,
0: so so you're sitting, correct? Yeah. Scoot to the front edge of your chair. Okay. Make sure your, feet, make sure your feet are on the ground. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. So, um. If you maintain, take take two fists and put them between your knees. Okay. Okay, and then just gently squeeze, and you'll feel you'll feel like your inner thigh activity increase, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, I want you to to. Drop your pelvis back into a posterior orientation. Right. And it's going to feel it's going to feel like like you took some pressure off your fists to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now squeeze your knees together and you're going to feel more butt activity as you're squeezing your knees together at the same time. So approximately mm-hmm. you're increasing the ER. Even though you're squeezing your knees together, you're you're ER-ing and then pulling your knees together, and so you've got way too much extra rotation represented. So you cannot produce the the early representation of inter rotation. You're actually creating a late strategy in the posterior lower, which is not what you want.
2: Right. Okay. So because of that pelvic orientation, you already get that co- posterior compression. Uh huh. And then so so and no matter you're just what, you're ramping like, it up. Yeah, and so. Yeah. Okay, that, that makes a little yeah. more sense.
0: Yeah, there's no guarantee that you're producing internal rotation by just by squeezing your knees together. You have to consider where you are in space.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, you're you're producing the internal rotation, I guess, just like I said, at the femur, rather more distally, I guess.
0: So, so you're, okay, so this goes back to like Zach's question at the very beginning of the call, where we we're talking about the differential between the distal radius and the proximal radius. It's like, you get kind of getting the same thing. It's like, yeah, I'm squeezing my knees together, but, but am I just increasing the differential between the proximal hip and the, and the distal femur? If I have too much ER proximally, you're not going to get the internal rotation into the pelvis. It's not going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you just- you can. You, you can attend to this, you can actually see it happen in the people that, that cannot internally rotate. Like, like you watch them at the hip, you watch their hips as you put something between their knees and you'll see them ER. You'll see them try to rock their pelvis back into posterior orientation. Right away, just shut it down and, and, and start over. Okay.
3: Would in this case be, let's say, uh, well, of course, you need to reduce the posterior lower or uh, compression. Yes, ma'am. but would in this case be better to do a hook line without something between the knees?
0: Um, you you can, but here again, the the issue that you're going to run into is is you don't want them to separate their knees.
2: Mm-hmm. It's not about
0: the squeeze, right? It's not about squeezing it. It's about not separating the knees. You you've seen me do the. Uh, the, 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 uh, heels elevated squat with the band around your knees. Yeah. Okay. So as you sit down into the deepest portion of that squat, the band is not something to push out into. It's something to, to prevent you from bringing your knees together. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's to, it's to, it's to create a fixed femur representation so the pelvis can move. Okay. When you put something between somebody's knees, it's so they don't pull their knees apart and do what I just said so they don't push the orient, so they don't increase the concentric orientation, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's not about magnifying the muscle activity, it's about reducing the muscle activity.
1: Okay. Okay? Thank you. Um, How can you see the difference between a rock back and uh, just relative motion? Okay
0: um do do you have do you have uh where where do you live germany germany um okay do you have coins do you still have coins yes okay um what what what's what's the largest coin that you you have in your pocket so to speak
2: two two euros
0: okay excellent i want you to take that two euros there's a there's a cleft no you don't really do this i'm just speaking (laughs) figuratively okay So you take your two-euro coin, and I need you to hide it somewhere so nobody can take it from you. The one place, Paul's loving this, the one place where you can hide it that nobody's going to look, okay, is back there, right? You can hold it between your cheeks, so to speak. You understand? Did I lose you? Are we frozen? I'm telling a great story here, and I think I lost them. (laughs) <laughs> I will continue just in case. Hold it between your cheeks. That's what happens when people rock the whole pelvis back. They have to squeeze the posterior lower together to get into that position in hook line. That's the mistake. And, and squeezing a ball between your knees under that circumstance doesn't solve the problem. It can actually magnify the problem. Okay. Yeah, we lost him. Unfortunately. Man, I was telling such a great story. Paul, did I did I do, did I suffice? Was that good?
2: I, I think that explanation was so good. It broke his computer. I mean, <laughs> it got ejected.
0: Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand. and it is. Perfect.
3: Greetings. Um, I just want my question is regarding just one of my client uh more of what i what i'm supposed to be missing because he's a football player and 5 weeks ago he had his knee operated because he injured his ACL on the left and his lateral meniscus but when they opened the knee they didn't uh, operate the ACL because it was just partially ruptured and they only scratched part of the lateral meniscus so uh, when he came to me, we I think he had around 20 ER on the right. He's an arrow. Um, so now through trainings, we eventually got about to 35, 40 ER. Mo- also on both sides. he mm-hmm. He's pretty good and adaptable. You're about hip ER?
0: You're talking about hip ER? yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Sorry. Uh-huh. But the thing is that... He still feels like this kind of a pain. He describes it as like in the medial side under the patella and it occurs in different situations. So if I put him in a left (coughs) wedding march, he starts- left what? I'm sorry, left what? Left wedding march. Okay. And when I try to put him also on the, let's say a goblet squat with the roller on the wall. Uh Uh-huh. When he goes to 90, it's fine. But when he starts going up around 40 degrees, he starts feeling the pain again. But if I do a squat with him holding the bar and going to 90 up and down, he doesn't feel any pain. Awesome. And just the last thing he feels, well, this is regarding the meniscus when I uh, check his uh, knee flexion. It's almost full, but just he feels a little bit of pain on the lateral side of the knee where they cut a little bit. Like of
0: the, the posterior base. lateral aspect of the knee, yeah, 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 and
3: I'm just wondering what am I missing because it's hard for him to like, oh, and he feels pain if I put him in a split stance with the um,
0: left with leg the, back, yeah. <laughs> Say it, Ian.
2: Knee twist.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So uh, yeah, um, you have you have a, a, a distal femur that is twisting into IR and a proximal tibia that is still in too much ER. Okay. So let's think about the mechanism of injury here. Okay. How do you partially tear an acl like what what position would i be in to partially tear the ace yeah that's so out yeah okay so so that that orientation still exists okay mm-hmm. if he's got a partial tear then his his sensation may be such that he's still trying to use a late representation in the knee okay um which means that if you put him in in an earlier representation, so if I have him hold something in front and he goes down into a squat, okay, that's an earlier representation than if I put his back against the wall and he's Mm -hmm. pushing himself up and down. So he tries to use a late representation, he gets uncomfortable, you keep him in an early representation and he's seemingly fine, okay? If you can compress his heel to his butt in supine, that's how you're measuring the knee? Yeah. Awesome, okay. And then he gets that posterior pain. So here's, here's, here's the, this, where the space is, is that he gets, he gets knee expansion, anterior medial, okay? All right. So the fluid pressure is anterior medial and posterior lateral at the same time, okay? So that's where the volume inside the knee is going. Okay. So when you, when you put pressure on it, that's the two sensations that he's describing. Mm -hmm. He gets anterior medial knee pain. When he tries to use a late representation to produce force, he gets a posterior lateral pain when you're compressing the fluid volume inside the knee, when you're measuring the knee. Mm -hmm. So you've got to get, you've got to get a really solid middle P. He's a narrow ISA.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he doesn't have a big space for middle P, but um, if you can get the early representation um, uh, that you're describing where you, so you've reduced a lot of the ER or reduced mm-hmm. a lot of the anti-orientation to get the ER, which is great. Okay. You start superimposing some IR there, and now you've got to get him a true middle representation. You've got to untwist the knee for force production. Yeah, great. the
3: the thing is, if I put him in a split squat with the left foot uh, front, he's really good at uh, managing the balance and it looks really well, Uh even the foot, it's not deviating. But Uh if I put the right foot forward, he feels really unstable and unpleasant in the knee. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, because so he's got a very late representation in the left knee. Which is, which is a knee that is supposed to experience a reduction in force production, okay? So, so he's already in a late and then you're asking him to produce force at the bottom of the split squat where he has to move from late towards the middle representation where he's driving more force down into the ground. But he's got the wrong knee orientation for force production. So he's not able to turn the tibia into IR relative to the femur to produce force. It's staying twisted out into ER as he does it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So
3: again- So in you, this case, uh, with a split squat with the left foot front would be okay.
0: That's the early representation. So if he's already got that, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if he already has access to, to that and he can manage it really, really well, you might need to start moving him back towards a middle representation where he's actually pushing straight down into the ground first. You've got to get the knee orientation to where the, the femur is pushing straight down and the tibia, it, they're all pushing in the same direction versus the twist in the knee. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let, me, let me grab my knee. <clears throat> it's a left knee?
3: Yeah.
0: Okay. So if he's, push, if he's pushing into the ground like that, that's, that's the problem.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, because you're creating a space, you're creating a space, medial knee here, posterior knee here. So you compress it and he goes, oh, I feel it right there. He pushes and he feels it right there Mm -hmm. because that's where it's expanding, where it should not expand. So what I have to do, I have to take him from this position here and I have to teach him to push, put force into the ground there. Now the forces are going straight down through the knee versus through that twist. Mm Okay. Okay. Does that, does that make sense?
3: Yeah, uh, I just wanted to ask also because when I try to uh, do a split squat with him, uh, step up, sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, the thing is that it looks really good, but just I see that still the pinky wants to get off the floor. Yeah. So would it help also to like manipulate the foot like in one of your videos when you try to capture IR?
0: Okay, so he's using a compensation to produce the internal rotation,
3: mm-hmm.
0: right? Oh, no. That's what that that's what that, that, yeah. that, pinky toe coming up. So he, so he doesn't have IR where, you, where wherever he expresses that foot, he doesn't have internal rotation.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, chances are it's gonna be proximal to the foot. It's like the foot is a demonstration of his attempt to get the IR. You have to get the IR. Okay, so let's look at this you've got a tibia that is staying in external rotation. If he's trying to put pressure through the ground in that position, he might be using the compensation um, relative to the that knee position, okay? And, or, and, or you don't have enough at the hip.
3: Okay, when he does so maybe step-up. like a low obliquid would do- him Maybe so, sleep.
0: maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. Again, like from, from a strategy standpoint, that's gonna be kind of up to you. I would be looking, I would be looking very strongly at the knee position. Okay. Um, And I would, I would, I would probably go there first to make sure that you can get the orientation at the knee. But my, my, also my best guess, because of the orientation that he came from is that he's probably still trying to use the anterior orientation in the pelvis to produce his IR.
3: Yeah. Especially when
0: you're, especially when you're moving him into a higher force producing position. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because think about this. It's like, so you've got him leaning back against the wall to do a squat and he's still, and he's still experiencing discomfort under that circumstance. That's not even full body weight. It's the weight is split between the two legs. And he's still having pain with force production. It's like, you've got to get the, you've got to get this internal rotation back. Because that's mm-hmm. his force producing position okay
3: okay makes sense
0: yeah yeah so you just you got a little bit of manual work to do probably you got a little bit of uh you still got some orientation to work on before mm-hmm. you try to get him to produce force through that single leg for sure okay okay thank you good morning happy friday i have neuro coffee in hand and It is perfect. All right. A very busy Friday coming up. So we're going to dig straight into today's Q&A. This is with Dale. It's a relatively short video, but covers a lot of ground. Um, Typically, we tend to talk a lot about capturing relative motions and the type of breathing that we want to use under those circumstances. This is actually a discussion at the other end of the spectrum where we're talking about a high force production, where we're also trying to capture positions, but we also want to produce a lot of force and then a resultant velocity that's associated with that, and then how we're going to sequence the breathing to optimize those types of activities. So this is a great discussion. Um, I think Dale, it was uh, using a wall ball, I believe, is the discussion. I actually found out what that meant. I um, wasn't really sure about that exercise. Not something that we do on a regular basis. Um but probably useful under many circumstances. So thank you, Dale, for bringing this up and uh, leading us in another direction um, that we typically don't get to talk about very much. Podcast will be up on Sunday. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Everybody have an outstanding weekend. I'll see you next week. Steel City.
1: Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of have a quick follow-up to Andrews because it's something that I play with all the time is breathing on exercise. Uh-huh. And I'm going to be specific. Let's say a wall ball. A who? What? A wall ball. What is a wall ball? Where you know, so say so you have a 20 pound wall ball in your hand. You go down into a squat and you throw it to a 10 foot target. Oh, okay. Okay. I
0: understand.
1: So something that obviously you, you're going to do 100, 150 reps at a time.
0: Okay. So it's, not me. It's, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Okay. I do. I do. Dale. I do three and then I go home. Trust me. <laughs>
1: These days I feel like that with the thirty. So, but let's. So, my cue is always in on breathing. And for me, I know that it always feels like it's easier if I breathe out on the way down, and up on the way up. In that particular movement, right? I feel like I'm. I feel like anytime I'm breathing in, I'm limiting my space going down per se.
0: Uh-huh. Right,
1: and I don't know. So my, I guess my question it would be this: is what would be? The, does the strategy change between a wide and a narrow, and doing a movement like this, and saying that you already own the two end positions? Uh huh. Well, okay. So so,
0: um, high force production is an exhale. Right. Okay. So. Um, And and the expansion is what makes space for you to move into. Right. So I think inhaling on the exertion, number one, is a dampener. It's a reduction in force production. So and it sounds like that's what you said you were you were trying to do.
1: Am I correct? Well, I I typically I I would breathe out on the way down. Okay, Um, so
0: so you're actually so you're actually compressing on the way down, right? Which would limit the potentially limit your excursion
2: mm mm-hmm.
0: okay and again if you're trying to breathe in on the way up um like i said you're 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 actually expanding theoretically if right. you could expand in all directions right mm-hmm. right so as you breathe in you're expanding in all directions which means you're reducing force production in a specific direction so your resultant would be lesser to wherever you're you're pressing so you're taking force production out of the equation okay because you'd be dampening under that exactly. circumstance okay i would question uh i i you, your perception might be that you're that you're inhaling but i would think that if you're doing a release you're you're, you're throwing the ball right yeah yeah if you're doing a release i would hazard to guess that you're actually can
1: well, the I, inhalation. I, when i get to that part i am yeah, I and then i'm catching my breath because it's a two breath move
0: yeah but it, um like i said i i yeah. You know, if, if you're squatting down and you're you're and you're exhaling,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like I said, you're 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 compressing under that circumstance. You're gonna limit. You're gonna limit the excursion of motion. If you're inhaling on the throw, you're dampening the throw. Okay. Okay. So reverse gears on that. Mm-hmm. And
1: try it. Okay.